0: This guy seemed to be an ever-moving chameleon yeah. that would move into these high-level arenas of big money, big politics, and big players all around. You're listening to The Corbett Report.
1: I'm super excited about this because for for the purpose of, one, one I have some old friends. I mean, Jason and and James were like literally two of my first guess when i like an episode like seven and eight or something like that and this is my 200th episode but uh so yeah so that it's awesome to go you know I, I, it's awesome to also see jason and james continue doing it too because these were guys that i was a fan of when i first got into this and to have them doing it and then i have some new friends whitney and, and uh and sam who uh, are doing <laughs> awesome work. So it's awesome, yeah, yeah.
2: And
1: so it's awesome to bring everybody together. I think uh, I, I've been like brainstorming for a while. I'm like, what should I do for my uh, 200th episode? I've thought about doing a live episode with Friends. I've thought about like a bunch of different things. I thought about doing a 9-11 episode. But then the Epstein thing was so important, that story, because similar to 9-11. And I, I'm i like, you know what? It's very similar to 9-11 in regards to, I think a lot of people that are super uh, skeptical about some of the stuff we talk about. Uh, I, I think it was undeniable. You know, you it was even the most skeptical people were like, okay, there's something more to this story. And I would hope the same way that like nine 11 for many of us, I know with James, probably with Jason and, and some of the other, uh, guests on, on the phone line was an eye opener and kind of was the first rabbit hole that kind of led us to all this. I'm hoping the Epstein story does the same for many other people. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's become the almost black a blackout story where they it, it was from like you know and we talked about this I think with Sam and James and I when we were talking about a, a censorship I was I was asking the question I'm like this is kind of weird that they're openly like every mainstream media uh, organization is talking about the Epstein story like nobody's even attempting to not talk about it where before things were going on and nobody was reporting on it besides the Miami Herald but and now it's like total blackout. So the the whole thing is kind of weird how like it was acceptable to talk about it. Now it's not acceptable. I don't know what your guys's theory is, but I know you guys have done a lot of research and, and similar to myself, have looked into this and, and looked at a lot of different perspectives, maybe to open this up, because I do want to keep this story alive. I think you guys probably agree with me that it's important to keep alive. Similar to the 9-11 story. It's not just about this specific event of, a suspicious uh suicide, but especially Whitney Webb going really in deep with Iran <laughs> contra links and all these other links like these stories are really it is uh you know like you know it's the octopus it's a real octopus conspiracy i mean it, it, you see how mm. all these things are are linked together so i'd love to hear your and I think probably the listeners would love to hear now, as time has gone and some of the smoke has settled, and you've had some time to Digest some of the information. What is your theories on really what was going on? Because I think there's a lot of speculation, but it's really like nobody is really quite sure yet. Would anybody?
3: Yeah. Wait. Wait. About which about Epstein? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he was doing a couple different things for intelligence. Um, I think I've said this before. So there was the sexual blackmail operation which was also sex trafficking. But I think even before that started, he was doing a lot of stuff in, um, in the world of finance, a lot of money laundering um, and, and a lot of other things like financial crimes like that, that he continued while he was also doing, you know, the sexual blackmail stuff. Um, and even after that, because obviously when he was arrested the first time, kind of hard to entrap people um, when when you've been, you know, uh, convicted of of, you know, soliciting sex from a minor. So I think after that, the financial thing continued. And that's why we saw people like, like Bill Gates and Ehud Barak and, and, even, and even like Steve Bannon uh, maintain the relationship with Epstein after his first arrest, right? So, um, I mean, I could go into more detail, I guess, but just generally speaking, I think he was doing a lot of different stuff. And I think one of the main reasons uh, regarding the timing of his arrest um, this in July and all that has to do with the financial stuff. More than the the sex crimes, because even when he was indicted this time in July, it was all about the same stuff that went on prior to his first arrest, right? So I think the timing, there's some like you know uh, ulterior motives there um, for sure that wasn't like the official story. I also think in terms of mainstream media coverage of the Epstein thing, a lot of it was directed towards trying to make this about the salacious bits and make it into a sex scandal and keep it from from the real story coming out that. Not, not only was he doing, you know, this really, um, you know, perverted and, and sick stuff, but he was state-sponsored, right? And he was doing that with, like, a state sponsor. So I think the whole focus of it was to be like, oh, you know, look at this salacious detail and look at this. You know, I think that was what a lot of the focus was on mainstream media. Um, and even now, you know, uh, the occasional stories that still come up in mainstream media are about, like, Prince Andrew And, oh, look, Randy, Andy, you know, and all that stuff. So I think, you know, they're keeping with the same thing um, and and avoiding the real story, which is, you know, unfortunate, but, you know,
0: typical of of how they operate. And I would say this, it definitely um, set a litmus test for what we were willing to accept as the public after the fact. In other words, was the public willing to accept that Epstein either, was suicided or killed himself or is just going away, and then that's it. And for the most part, nobody's outraged. Let me give you an example. We have more video of ISIS fighters escaping Syrian prison within 12 to 24 hours of that event happening and being predicted by the mainstream media 48 hours earlier than we do footage inside the prison in which Epstein was held. I mean, think about those media motivations. We can't get footage inside a United States prison, but footage all the way across the world is spanned all over every single network to try to get the American public outraged that a president is withdrawing troops from a nation we had no business in. So at the end of the day, it also kind of serves, again, as this test is, this is really in your face. Everybody's been talking about it. And now it's over. Shut up. We even name people like Bill Richardson, who was a former governor of Mexico, who had Clinton ties, Genie Energy ties. And nobody is outraged that that person hasn't been arrested or questioned for his role in the Epstein case. So I think there's a lot of layers to this case that we could talk about pre-Epstein arrest, during the arrest, and now the aftermath of
1: the quote unquote suicide. James, would you want to add to that? Are you there, James?
2: Did we lose, James?
4: Well, I'll jump in until we get back. No, sorry, I'm here. Go on, James. I just wanted to say,
2: I think some good points have been made. Um, One point that's important to stress is that, exactly right, this is a tabloid story that has been reported in a tabloid way for salacious details. I think because it was a genuine story that really happened. What's the damage control that you can do on a story like this? It's to hone in on the salacious details, make it all about just Jeffrey Epstein as some sort of character who came out of nowhere and did this horrible thing, and now we can all gawk at it for a few minutes, now move on to the next thing, rather than really looking at the deep history of it, exactly like so many other events um, throughout history. And it is important to put this in the broader context of honey traps that have been used by intelligence, presumably for thousands of years. Uh, per, uh, it may be a little bit more technologically advanced at this point, but uh, it's the same It's the same idea that's been going on, and that's why it connects into so many other political scandals.
4: Well, you know, my opinion is that I'm just like a kid in a candy store right now listening to everybody talk. I feel like I won some kind of a radio contest, and I get to hang out with my favorite truthers talking truth. So. I'm not going to be talking a lot on here because I'm more excited about just being on the call than anything. But I mean, like we had like 18 hours of like everybody letting us do a victory lap. And then they they, they counter push to oh It's all conspiracies. It's all stupid. It's all this. I, you know, I was in New York City. I have a good friend of mine who's who's close with some of the people who have worked at that jail before. And they go. It wouldn't take much money to bribe that entire staff. Like, everybody that worked <laughs> at that jail would take about $3 million to bribe everybody to fall asleep and push the cameras in different directions. So I, I, who knows what's going on? I, I, I Listen, man, the more and more I'm in this truth game, the more and more I have zero clue What's going on? Every time I think I have an idea of what what they're doing, I just realize that's just another layer of deception. Like I would like to believe, I, I do I believe there is a uh, something going on between Trump and what Jeffrey Epstein's uh, group will call them the deep state. Uh, I would I would believe there is, but maybe some will come out two seconds later that they're all working together. That. You know, and Whitney, you would know better than me. And James, you would know better than me uh, whether, you know, that arrest of uh, Jeffrey Epstein way back in the day was real or not. Was that was that done on real, meaning that that was a real fight between Trump and him? Or was that just another game being played by the super rich elite? I wish I had answers. I'm just going to listen to you guys. I mean, I'll jump in and say some. Bad dick joke at some point, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just really like I have no. All I know is that there is intelligence, uh, child sex, blackmail going on, and but I, I'm I'm confused on
0: who's involved. Well, let me jump in just just to kind of talk about the Trump administration and Epstein, quick in relation to Bill Barr. One of the great things that Whitney Webb has done. In her series is talking (laughs) and the connections to not only Epstein but Bill Barr, who seems to be connected, according to whistleblowers within Iran Contra, some of the people that were moving the drugs, okay, that he was facilitating kind of like, let's shut this down and figure this out and put the limited hangout out there. And now you have the major alternative media outlets playing Bill Barr clips, championing Christianity, cause you know, he's just has such a high moral <laughs> standard and we need to get this <laughs> <administration> <laughs> skating the fact that Bill Barr is as deep state and as balls deep as you could be as he was <laughs> the George HW uh, administration. It's something that's really not touched upon. So you can sit there and you can talk about his relation to Trump and the models. And, you know, Mar-a-Lago and all that stuff. And it's something that does need to be talked about that James Patterson covered well in his book, Filthy Rich. But what I'm more interested in are his relationships to Adnan Khashoggi and Prince Andrew regarding arms dealing and his relationships to the CFR and the Trilateral Commission involving globalism. And then his movement after that first conviction into the tech realm, where it's he'd kind of been regulated to Wall Street, Bear Stearns, Towers uh, Capital, and now it's Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and other tech giants. This guy seemed to be an ever-moving chameleon yeah. that would move into these high-level arenas of big money, big politics, and big players all around.
1: And. Yeah, and that's another similarity with 9-11 and, and uh, this story, is the links to people who are trying to take away our freedoms and rights. I mean, uh, Whitney's uh, on some recent interviews, I've heard her talk about the pre-crime software companies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, after 9-11, uh, you know, all the... Basically, NSA just had a, a green light to do whatever they wanted. All her rights went away. So you're, start, you're seeing these themes and some of the same issues come about. And uh, and even some of the, you know, I wasn't familiar with the Carlisle group before 9-11. I wasn't familiar with, uh, you know, the Mossad and so what they were involved in before 9-11. And, and similar to the Epstein story. Uh, it's kind of opened my eyes to new things like these, this pre-crime uh, organization, this uh, software companies, uh, which Epstein had links to. And I think you said even the Kraft company had links to, uh, which is pretty wild because I live in New England. So, uh, you know, we're pretty familiar with Robert Kraft here.
3: Right. Well, uh, Robert Kraft wasn't funding uh, Carbuy911, but he was he's the main one of the main backers of this like startup accelerator that's based in Massachusetts, but has an office in Israel. And they were, and, and that startup of accelerator was funding another startup that's uh, ba- has its business model based off of mass shootings. But it's not the one Epstein was funding. It's another one called Gabriel, and they're really similar. In this Gabriel one, its board of directors is like deputy director of the Mossad, former director of Shin Bet, which is like the FBI of Israel, um, and um, the former chief of uh, Israel's uh, national police are the people on the board of that and you know that company in this carbon 911 company that basically had their business model based on there being more mass shootings and people being more afraid um uh, of another one potentially happening and and having this you know basically pushed through they're going to try and push it through congress actually um because there's these different lobby groups that are now uh, pushing for next generation 911 systems which is like an internationally or sorry not internationally Nationally interconnected 911 system because they're all sort of localized, right? And then uh, that would basically, if anytime you call 911, it would mean that they could literally extract all the data off of your smartphone without your oh consent. My you don't God. even have to have the app installed. So yeah, that's what Epstein was funding, and the the company that uh, Epstein used to invest in that is registered as a data mining, a DNA data mining company. Which is super weird, and what it does is that when they take your data off your phone, they use it to analyze your past behavior, your present behavior, and also to predict your future behavior. And it's just oh one of a whole God. bunch of <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just one of a whole bunch of other companies that are um, you know uh, sort of in the same circle. Um, so, for example, another pr- uh, main funder of Carbon Nine One One is Peter Thiel, who also is you know Palantir and all of that, which is into pre crime stuff. And uh, there's a lot of ties into the Trump administration with Peter Thiel and also with Carbine. There's like people from the Trump transition team on the board. Uh, One of uh, Trump, one of the biggest donors to Trump 2020 is on on the board uh, of directors of the company. And then it's headed by Ehud Barak, who's chairman um, and things like that. So a lot of really shady stuff going on there, especially considering now that there's been this proposal that's been put out uh, called HARPA to make like a DARPA. But instead of for defense, it's for health. And they would use all of this data they'd take um, out of your electronic devices to determine uh, neurobehavioral signs of potential violence, meaning that if you use certain words on social media or watch certain videos, it could be a predictive, you know, uh, it could predict uh, you being violent at some point in the future, uh, you know. So it's just really, really slippery slope, shady stuff. And you know, it's, it, it really makes you wonder, like, how many more mass shootings until they, they really just push this through and be like, oh, enough is enough. Because the whole idea of this is, is for them to say, oh, this is a way to av- avoid the bipartisan uh, struggle in Congress and solving the mass shooting problem. And we can just use all this new technology and we don't have to change our gun laws. So that's basically what this is being sold as.
2: I, I think we might have missed a part of that conversation for people who aren't familiar with this story. Uh, Whitney, could you just tell us what is Carbine Nine One One? And Jason, could you tell us how that connects in with uh, Amdocs and other previous examples of Israeli uh, intelligence spying through uh, communications networks?
0: Well, do you want to yeah, go? Uh, yeah, go first, uh, Whitney. Go ahead.
3: Uh, well, Carbine Nine One One is like the new uh, this new software for nine one one systems in the U.S. Yeah, and they, they say that it will prevent uh, n- prevent mass shootings and also increase uh, or decrease the amount of response time of emergency service providers. And the other one I mentioned, Gabriel, is something similar, except they install like a physical panic button in like a, a place like a, a church or a school that you would hit if there's a mass shooter. But they all have to be linked up to your smartphone. And all of these, and, and the 911, uh, you know, system, the carbine one. Uh, it's really similar to this thing that was implemented in China that was also marketed you know, in the same way, not for mass shootings, but for the help emergency service providers. And it was reverse engineered by like Human Rights Watch and it was mass profiling people, surveilling people, putting people into all these categories like their religious affiliation, their political affi- uh, views, things like that. So very yeah, and- shady stuff and- funded by Epstein and Ehud Barak and Peter Thiel.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. talking about previous versions of the types of software that they were using to surveil people, you know, in the 90s, we had Promise and Carnivore. And Promise in particular is interesting because it's been widely reported that Ghislaine Maxwell, who is, you know, not even contested to be uh, Epstein's right-hand madam, the main person helping procure these uh, girls, That's her father, and he was the one that was actually selling the stolen version of that software to separate entities. Then we fast forward to 9-11, which isn't that far along, it's just a few years along, and we find out through a, uh, I think it was a four or five part Fox series, that not only did the Israeli Mossad seem to have a classified role in 9-11, that two private uh, corporations very well connected to Israel, I think one with a location in Tel Aviv, Amdocs and Converse also had that relationship and that they had entered, basically all telecommunications had to go through them. And although they weren't able to, quote unquote, listen in on phone calls, they were able to build networks from phone numbers that were calling each other for certain amounts of time. And the amount of... uh, government institutions and secret offices that they were able to infiltrate is still pretty much classified to this day. So, you know, these are extremely interesting aspects. And this is something I want to ask you, James. While we fast forward to Carbine and Peter Thiel, who is, and you would think people would be going after this because he's Trump's technology advisor. Right? Oh, my God. He's the uh, co-founder of PayPal with Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. But instead of focusing on him, the media right now this week, even though it's not that loud, is focusing on Bill Gates. Why do you think that is, James?
2: Well, Bill Gates is better known to the public. So that would be the first and ostensible reason for that. And uh, it is... It is interesting, at any rate, to get Bill Gates caught in his own web of lies and deceits and to see that unfolding as, as, uh, oh, I, I had no dealings with Epstein. I hardly knew him. I met him once or twice. And then, uh, now his publicist is saying, well, he was just complaining about Epstein's personal home decor. I mean, they only had an intimate personal relationship. No problem. Um, so that, I mean, there is some schadenfreude in that, but but you're right. Peter Thiel is kind of the excluded part of this conversation, as he often is, considering how much he has really driven the news agenda over the past decade behind the scenes in various ways, from the creation of PayPal to uh, the creation of Palantir that Whitney Webb mentioned, which, of course, is part of this pre-crime software Uh, We can't exactly tell you what this is, but it databases and tracks everything and connects it all together behind the scenes. um, That obviously has some sort of lineage back to something like the Promise software. Who knows how much more advanced the Promise software is now, which, of course, was stolen from Inslaw Inc. back in the nineteen. It was developed in the 70s, if I recall correctly. It was was stolen in the 80s, and then, as you say, marketed by people like Robert Maxwell as part of uh, intelligence operations, backdoored to give people backdoor access to, uh, well, whoever bought them, whichever intelligence agencies bought them. And, of course, one of the implications from uh, Indira Singh and her story about P-TECH is that P-TECH was just a further iteration of promise and had its backdoors uh, that helped enable 9-11. So, again, it all connects in literally to the octopus that Danny Kelly. Salero was investigating that I've talked about before. Um, I don't even I mean, I don't even know how to put a bow on that other than to say Peter Thiel absolutely is connected into so many different aspects of this agenda. And you're right. He is the excluded part of this conversation, probably because they generally don't want you looking into the, uh, the people who are holding real positions of power.
0: And let me just throw one more thing out in Thiel that we haven't talked about. He is. I'm not sure if he's the youngest member of uh, the steering group on the Bilderberg Group, but he certainly is that new blood. Now, many many years. I think. I think maybe 2010 or 2012. Or at least. At least seven years, maybe closer to a decade. He's been attending these meetings, and not just an attendee, but a steering member, a Kissinger type, a Rockefeller. Of- <laughs> you know technology blood as the old guard dies off i mean kissinger's what a hundred years old he's either 99 or 100 rockefeller lived to 101 this is the guy that i see being promoted by the establishment and even people like tucker carlson that are supposed to be edgy at this point <laughs> so you got yeah incredible <laughs> Which I would think there's not a lot. Why they wouldn't go for Teal and his connections to the Trump administration, as there are many.
4: Well, if I could jump in, I, the reason they don't go after anything on Trump, can you guys, if you guys can hear me, the reason they don't go on anything for Trump, because the real things that go after Trump are the things that the the people who signed Rachel Maddow's checks make money off of. So they can't go after real stuff like going after him selling arms to Saudi Arabia, uh, the, this uh, pre-crime software, because everybody who signs the checks to all the media make money off it. So they have to go off of other <laughs> stuff and they just look bad. And this whole thing right now that came out with this ABC showing this weapon range thing. I, I, it, I, you know, what, man, I, it's hard for me to believe that people are that dumb. And I know we've seen instances of that. It's making me really think that they're purposely trying to kill the mainstream media. So there's no centralized media, so it's decentralized. and then we then good luck getting a, a uniformed idea about what's going on. When everybody's personalizing their their news, good luck on everybody. having a clue what's really going on out there. I mean, like that move at ABC is so dumb. I mean, like, dude, you I mean, people running a drive through at a fast food restaurant wouldn't be that stupid. But to put that out and then act like that's real footage and then be like, whoa, who who knows what's going on? And this is so layered. It's like it's easier to go after Bill Gates because what's Bill Gates doing? Then to go after this Peter Thiel because he's it's it's he's really connected. And if you start going after him, you start looking at what's really going down You know, we were uh, on another issue, uh, how everything's connected. You know, we did a whole thing on the uh, I did something with Jason on the Vegas shooting. I just had this guy, John on, who's breaking down all these helicopter footage and all that stuff. And uh, basically how there's this whole feel that it's either there's some Al Qaeda there, maybe some Saudi Arabia and uh, how this could be linked to Sophie, which was the uh, the first ever A.I. that was given given citizenship in Saudi Arabia, and that brought everybody oh to the hotel. And then that's when they did the Saudi purge. And Sophie is connected to Epstein. That's another connection. You know, when Whitney brought up all the, uh, I think it was the Iran-Contra, that's a connection to Epstein, too. It's like, this guy's connected to so much, and it's insane that the story isn't bigger. Well, you
3: So know- for like, oh, sorry. Oh. I was going to talk about, about oh, Bill Gates really quick. So I think the Bill Gates right now is kind of a limited hangout about Bill Gates because like the big expose on, on catching Bill Gates and his lie is like Bill Gates previously said he hadn't met Epstein until 2013. And then the New York Times comes along and says, we found this picture of you with Epstein from 2011. And that was their big expose. I published a report today with this this article that was totally scrubbed from, from the UK um, newspaper archives that was published in the Evening Standard. It says in there, that uh, this, It was published in 2001. It says that Epstein made millions of dollars out of his business links with Bill Gates, Donald Trump and Leslie Wexner as being his main business links during the 1990s. So obviously the real story with Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates goes way further back and they're not talking about it. If I could find that article, the New York Times can find that article and, you know, there's a reason, there's a reason they're not talking about it. They're also not really bringing up the fact that the person that was named an alternate executor of Epstein's will was Bill Gates' chief scientific advisor who's in the pictures of him, uh, of Bill Gates meeting with Jeffrey Epstein on, on like several occasions So uh, to be named the executor of the guy's will, you kind of have to be kind of close to him. You (laughs) can't just be like calling him up being like, what do you think about philanthropy, Jeffrey Epstein, convicted pedophile? You know, which is like Bill Gates' official story. So like, I I think it's a limited hangout of like, oh, we got him uh, from the New York Times, you know, but they're not going into the real story. And I think the real story has to do with Microsoft, uh, you know, backdoor stuff in Microsoft. You know, they collaborate with the NSA, Give them backdoors into all their stuff, you know, things like that. And there's a lot of, you know, interconnections of the same group that that's involved in all the stuff we're talking about today. Uh, in in that with Microsoft, uh, one thing I really wanted to add, uh, really quick, going back uh, a, little, <laughs> a couple minutes back to Converse is that when they rebranded as Variant, they were contracted by the NSA to install backdoors into all of the popular tech products of the U.S. So uh, you know, like Facebook, a bunch of smartphone apps. Uh, variant was contracted a foreign company was contracted by the NSA to put back doors into the, the telecommunication system of the US after they you know their previous iteration Congress Infosys was caught spying
4: on the government. Whitney do you think that it's possible that um that that Bill Gates is just disposable at this point, meaning that if his brand takes a beating it's not that big of a deal because that's my opinion on why everything now conspiracy rated is being broken on yahoo because yahoo to me is a brand that everyone recognizes that if everybody hates it doesn't hurt anyone's bottom <laughs> line so you know you saw all these people putting out all this all this uh anti-conspiracy stuff and the truth people kind of pull back you know with yahoo yahoo's dead yahoo is not a brand that's making nobody any money so if they can use Yahoo to put out that stupid conspiracy land podcast to be putting out all this like anti-conspiracy stuff if people end up hating Yahoo it doesn't hurt anyone's bottom line in the long run is that kind of maybe what is going on with Bill Gates is like if he takes a beating does it really hurt anybody in the long run because he's I mean how much in the game is he as much as like he's like a figurehead I don't know how much he really has you know Skin in well, the game anymore.
3: that's why I think it's like a limited hangout, right? It's like, oh, he lied. And it, it, the history only really goes back to 2011 when the real story is obviously like probably a decade or, or more before then, right? So they just sort of like, oh, he met with him a couple more times, but they don't go into these business links um, that obviously had to do with Microsoft and software. We know that Epstein had a lot of links or the network, uh, rather, of Epstein had links to promise and things like that. Microsoft is known to collaborate with intelligence agencies. I think, you know, if if someone did enough digging, they could find it.
0: Let's talk about that really quick, Whitney. You don't even have to dig that far. Uh, Back (laughs) in 2010, I did a story about how Microsoft was openly working with the U.S. military with their Kinect. And that was the initial camera setup where it had three separate cameras. It was in your home. It came with the Xbox One initially as well. But they had an open... Government military program. Now, when I pressed them on what that was used for, because I contacted their spokesman, uh, number one, they wouldn't talk to me. They said that I had to present those questions um, in typed form, which I did. And then I got a ridiculous response. I did that story for InfoWars. It's probably been scrubbed from the internet, but I have it somewhere. And, uh, you know, it's not surprising that Bill Gates is in bed with a guy and in bed with the government. You mentioned another person that the media wants to focus on Leslie Wexner and his empire with The Limited and Models and Victoria's Secret. What they don't want to talk about is the Wexner group and them, you know, having a paper leaked in 2003 on how Israeli policy was kind of to step back and let the U.S. do its thing until they overthrew Saddam but now how can we continue to get the American people behind this war now that Saddam has been taken out in 2003? And, hey, they did a hell of a job because it's 2019, and I excuse me for cursing, but we're still in <laughs> Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria now. We went into Libya, AFRICOM. We've only expanded the war on terror. So to think that Leslie Wexner is just a businessman and he's got models— no, he's helping set foreign policy for this country on behalf of Israel, and yeah. that's not questionable. Dude, the, the Wexner rabbit hole is
3: so deep, though. Like, like even before then. So the Wexner analysis you're talking about that was leaked in like the early 2000s, uh, in the 1990s. I talked about this when I was on your show, Jason. Uh, that he, the, the limited uh, Epstein and Wexner got Southern Air Transport, the notorious CIA front company relocate to Columbus, Ohio from Miami, Florida, and run all of the, the air traffic and logistics, air logistics for the limited between Hong Kong and Columbus. And like the Inspector General Ohio's government called it the Mayor Lansky run because he was like openly suggesting that they were smuggling stuff with the CIA and organized crime. And even beyond that, um, uh, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz told me that she had been told by a former CIA employee that Wexner was well known as being one of the top five money launderers for organized crime in the United States. So I'm going to be having a series coming up um, in a week or two or so. It'll start um, about how Epstein and Wexner were using real estate um, to launder like millions of dollars Ah, uh, during the late '80s and the early '90s, and they were doing it with uh, a Bronfman family trust managed by this guy named Guido Goldman, who uh, whose father founded the World Jewish Congress, uh, a very uh, very close to Henry Kissinger, um, oh as well. And there's a lot of interconnections. Of course, when you get into New York real estate and money laundering, there's also connections to Larry Silverstein, which you know brings us to 9/11.
2: Incidentally, Sam, I think this might go back towards answering sort of your initial question. Uh, you raise uh, Whitney raised the the uh, the prospect of Catherine Austin Fitz, and in my recent conversation with her, she she opined that the uh, Epstein uh, case was all wrapped up one way or another. However, it really ended; it was wrapped up precisely because the financial coup d'état has now taken place in such a form that they can now do this without the need for the the financial money laundering. Uh, blackmail aspects that Epstein brought to the whole affair. So she it's her opinion that this is basically winding up now because they don't need that anymore. They can kind of tie up those loose ends.
4: Wow. Right. The timing
3: of it was really was really telling because the, that that policy change, uh, standard 56, I think it's called. Uh, that was like just two weeks, I think, before the Miami Herald's expose on Epstein last year. That supposedly was the reason for this investigation that supposedly led to these charges being pressed. So the timing is, is really telling there. And also just two weeks before Epstein was arrested, Deutsche Bank closes all their accounts with Epstein. Uh And they were the only bank that, you know, had avoided doing so up until that point. And the, the main bank involved in this laundering, uh, money laundering stuff I'm going to be talking about is Deutsche Bank. Not surprising then that we have all this ties in with other uh New York property developers that are now pro- uh, politically powerful, like the Kushner's and Trump also to Deutsche Bank. So there's a a, a whole lot uh, to pick at there.
4: Is there something, though, between Trump and that group, or is this just more theater? Yeah.
3: No, I definitely think so. Well, I mean, in my series, right, I talk a lot about how there's a lot of connections, at least in New York anyway, to like organized crime and intelligence and in the government. And one of the main figures that I talk about in the early part of my series that was running a sexual blackmail ring up for the, you know, um it was really similar to Epstein's was Roy Cohn, who was Trump's mentor and was a very notorious lawyer who represented a lot of organized crime figures. And Epstein had a lot of ties to lawyers like that, including Ivan Fisher and some other people. There's a lot of crossover also between Robert Maxwell and Tom Ballon, who was Roy Cohn's law partner. And just like the amount of connections are really crazy. I, I feel like I, <laughs> I could like, just talk about them for like, because oh it's really nuts. It's a huge web. I really need to like map it out. Ah, uh, graphically, but you know, it basically goes back to this—the National Crime Syndicate, which is the mayor Lansky co-founded with the Genovese crime family, crime syndicate. How they got bed with the OSS, the um, forerunner to the CIA before World War II, and then brought their sexual blackmail rings that they had been running. Uh, you know, brought that in with the CIA and the FBI and all this stuff, and it all got mixed together, and that's why we're, you know, where we are now.
0: And when you bring up Roy Cohn, I think it's really important for people to understand his importance spans decades you know, from, you know, that McCarthyism era into, you know, being Trump's lawyer and the rise of Roger Stone. And actually there's a new documentary. I can't wait to watch it. I haven't seen where I can get it yet, but it's called, where's my Roy Cohn?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting what they dug up there. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's based in a, in a Trump quote. And if you watch the trailer at the very end, uh, somebody speaking, um, who was close to Roy said, Hey, if you asked Roy, he was responsible for every major dealing of the past few decades. <laughs> so talk about arrogance and being out there and saying, Hey, I do control things. One of those people was Roy Cohn. He was very flamboyant about it. Yeah, well, he was a big fixer for politics and
3: he really had a, he was really powerful in the Reagan administration and he was also, you know, influential in Nixon, but it was really Reagan. You know, he's the guy that introduced Rupert Murdoch to Ronald Reagan and to get Rupert Murdoch uh, on board with like, you know, basically doing propaganda for the Central American policy of the Reagan administration during that time. And the contras of all of that, that was Roy Cohn that introduced them. And the picture of that white house meeting is insane. It's like Roy Kahn standing up, everyone's sitting down. he's like pointing his finger at Ronald Reagan, like bossing him around. it's like, you know, it really tells you a lot about, about what was going on there. So, um, and also, you know, Roy con he, he also made uh, according to his longtime uh, secretary who was like with him for like three decades. He like made all these phone calls and he's responsible. He was responsible for getting Trump's sister uh, appointed a judge and like all these other judges, um, you know, he and Tom Ballon uh, got appointed together, including uh, Louis Free, who would later go on to be FBI director. And they have ties to like, an, a, like a shit ton of people. It's really nuts. Oh, my God. But the media will tell you, oh, it's just Trump's uh, sleazy mentor. And he was a lawyer for organized crime. End of story. And that's pretty much, you know, all you'll get about Roy Tom from the mainstream.
4: So do you guys, um, OK, so the, the Epstein and the Trump battle is... It, we think is a real battle. I, I always say that's kind of where things change. <clears throat> maybe, maybe not. Um, is the battle between, in your guys's research, everybody, is the battle between the CIA and the NSA real, or is that more smokescreen that you know Q was trying to push on to everybody?
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't really buy that personally, the yeah. CIA NSA thing. I think I, think, you know, I think your intelligence agency, Israel's intelligence apparatus, or even, you know, the UKs, I mean, when you get to the higher levels of power, they all pretty much like do the same stuff and work together and collaborate a lot. And that's really been that way, you know, since the 50s, at least, I would say.
0: And I would say it's those, it's it's not so much, listen, agencies kind of battle with one another, but that's in the bureaucracy level. When you get to the upper echelons, when you get yeah. to asset levels, I mean, you look at it like a guy like John Kiriakow, right? And he basically, aside from being a whistleblower on torture, I recently did a video where he talks about, hey, it's official policy for a, 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 a espionage. And if you've got an asset in another country and you're already breaking laws for that person, if he asks you for a child prostitute, you go procure that child prostitute. Your superiors are going to tell you to do that. That alone should be very, very telling. That that is a official cia policy when you are involved in espionage but i'd like to get corbett's take
2: well jason i think you hit the nail on the head exactly right yeah there is there is fbi versus cia there's cia versus nsa there are institutional rivalries and all of that but you're right that's at the bureaucratic level i think our problem in the general public is understanding these intelligence agencies as the CIA as if it is a singular entity that is all controlled by whoever happens to be the director at that particular moment etc rather than seeing all of the different intelligence agencies as connections uh, in a grid of essentially secret societies. I mean, these secret societies of old became the intelligence agencies in the modern era. No better example of that than the fact that the early CIA essentially was Skull and Bones from Yale. All the the heads and tops of uh, the CIA back in the early days was uh, old Skull and Bones fraternity members. Uh, It's that same idea. It's not about the institution, the bureaucracy, everyone who works for the CIA is part of the same agenda and on the same page. No, there are cliques within these agencies that are walled off through compartmentalization so that the person sitting in the desk next to them doesn't have any idea what they're doing and they can work through that secret network that has been ensconced in the the law of the land in the united states anyway and since the 1947 national security act and the creation of this uh this entire i mean the deep state um but the real deep state not the ones that they talk about in this phony left-right political nonsense these days but the uh the 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 one that uh, Peter peterdale scott and others have Written about for many for many decades, and at that level, I think you're right. Again, it has nothing to do with the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the Moss- Mossad, MI6, any of these intelligence agencies. It's just connections among people who are able to use the secrecy laws and and uh, and hide behind this institutional framework to get their own agenda in place. So we we really have to nail down the actual connections between people rather than look at it through that institutional framework, which to a certain extent is the, is a limited hang, hangout in this situation.
0: And, and James, I'm so glad that you brought up Peter Dale Scott. I'm actually going to be having on my program in the next couple of weeks. I finally reached out and he reached back out. But he is the, the godfather of the term deep state, of parapolitics, of deep politics, of these type of networks. And we talk, And when we talk about Interagency networks. I think there's a great example to be made, and me and James have actually discussed this before with uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. But let's take a look at Epstein, for instance. Now, you have um, evidence that he was involved with some kind of intelligence agency uh, via, what is it, Vicki? What's her name? Vicki Ward. And she basically stated that Acosta was was uh, in his uh, confirmation meeting with the Trump administration said when he was questioned about Epstein, he was told he was in intelligence, it was above his pay grade, and back off. Now, whether that's CIA, NSA, Mossad, something else, it's almost a moot point because we have documentation that shows at some time he cooperated with Robert Mueller and the FBI. So there you have at least two separate agencies, unless you're going to say that that connection to intelligence was just FBI, and I don't believe that, kind of getting a piece of Epstein. And that's now on the record. So, again, I think when you talk about, you know, the FBI or the CIA as kind of like this one big institute, it's far from that. Like James said, it's all about compartmentalization.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think uh, people get caught up in the whole Republican Democrat thing and you know, growing up, when I first got into politics. It, it was like, oh yeah, these are the good guys, or the bad guys. And after a while, you realize, oh, they, they all work with the same people and they're part of the same group. I mean,
4: they're it's all like bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about it, I mean, people who get caught up in in that debate and any of that, like people, I'll be at the gym and people will talk to me about, oh, did you see what's going on with the the Republicans who won't let this pass or the Democrats, and, I, and I'm just like, it's all theater. I'm like, I don't want to discuss any of it. It's it's a, a soap opera, and really what's going on behind the scenes is what's important to me, the big picture. And, uh, I, you know, th- that's the other thing, like the big picture, like you see Mossad constantly come, you know, uh, eugenics comes up, you know, you talk about all these big, uh, t- uh, People and groups and 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 uh, events and it's like Mossad, you uh epigenetics, uh you know, just a global government. Like, uh, what is the big picture? What is? Do you guys have an opinion on like who's really pulling the strings? Because that's, I mean, that's really what we, we use the word "they" a lot, right? They, they're doing this. Who? And then you know, the, I, I get caught doing it where I'm just like, I don't really explain who they are or. And, and I think maybe there isn't just one answer to that question. You know, it counts what specific thing you're talking about. Yeah. Or, or, or do you think there is a they? Yeah, there's an
4: eight foot albino lizard called Pindar and he's pulling. I like, think, no, I don't I don't know. I I think that, I think that, you know, there's it's almost like. LA, right? Every different area has its own gang that runs everything, okay? Occasionally, those gangs are going to work together when it's beneficial. And when it's not beneficial, they're going to go to war with each other. So I think there's all these different groups that have a certain turf, and this is their thing. And when it's beneficial, they all work together and they just use this theater to get us all fighting with each other. So these people run this. These people, white guys are bad guys. These people are bad guys. Jews are bad people, blah, blah, blah. They all fight with each other when in reality they're all just trying to make a dollar at every single moment. And when it's beneficial,
2: they'll work together. That's my opinion. I agree. You're – that's a good point, uh, yeah. Sam. I think that question is designed to get us fighting with each other, to, I mean, whether intentionally or not, because, oh, no, you think that's the top of the pyramid, but this is the top of the pyramid, and everyone spends all their time arguing about that. But think about even in this conversation today, we have named names with real actual lineages that you can go and you can research Roy Cohn and Leslie Wexner and and uh, and uh, Peter Thiel and all of the people that we have mentioned. We, you can go and you can look at their connections and you can see how they tie into this as we, as we're calling it, the gigantic octopus, this story that has tendrils everywhere and that reaches into all these different conspiracies over the decades, but no one's going to be satisfied to hear, you know. It's all Roy Cohn, you know, he runs the world. No, of course not, That because that's not true. But he is a point at which you can start to examine this octopus. But because there isn't that, there's this one person that runs everything, it's never going to be satisfying for people. They are looking for the conspiratainment aspect of this, that it's this person, and if we can bring it down, then we save the world, or something like that. I think the more appropriate question is, what ideology is running the world. Not what person, but what ideology, what brings these different people together in these types of schemes. And you hit on some of the key points there, like the eugenics, which is one that I keep going back to because it keeps coming back and it comes back up again in the Epstein case. Epstein was way into eugenics and was had this crazy scheme. He was going to uh, f- fertilize a bunch of women with his sacred sperm and start whatever kind of, I don't know, Superman cult or... You know, I mean, it always comes back to these same things, which ultimately is just about the quest for power. That's ultimately the the point of it. But what what better power, what more ultimate power than really controlling the future of the species, which is what it continues to come back to, especially in the technological uh, 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 context today, when you start looking at the the Peter Thiel's and the Bill Gateses and the Microsoft's and what other types of things are these? Oh, Bill Gates is a eugenicist and his, his father was way into eugenics. And, and now he's the billionaire philanthropist who's saving the world by stopping those, those poor um, black and brown people on the other side of the planet from breeding. But it's all for our own good and blah, blah, blah. It always comes back to these same ideologies. And that's, I think, what we need to focus on more than who is the person running the world. What is the ideology behind this?
0: Yeah, I would agree with James, and, and I would almost liken it to, if you look at uh, the United States' presence in the Middle East, there's a, a very obvious U.S.-Anglo-American-Israeli-Saudi alliance. However, when it's convenient to us, we'll expose the Saudi Arabian funding of 9-11. But maybe we don't want to expose the Pakistan. Only a little bit. Of- yeah. <laughs> Talk about the pac Any funding because, you know, they could turn their backs on us at any time. And when you talk about Saudi Arabia, that is kind of integral to this Epstein story as, you know, that passport they found right after. Uh, Vicky Ward said that he was connected to intelligence in his safe that had stamps on it, that had been to nations like Saudi Arabia, uh, France, and I believe the Netherlands. I might be wrong on that last one. But he had traveled with this passport. He obviously had uh, another identity. Um, You know, Whitney's done some great work on who she thinks gave him that passport. But at the end of the day, for that thing to exist, there has to be somebody in Saudi Arabia that gives the thumbs up as well.
3: Well, the Saudis are super tied in with the CIA, though. I think in those recent uh, when the Department of Justice was deciding if they were going to declassify or unredact some of those Saudi names in those 9-11 documents, you know, it it sort of it sort of came up that way that like, oh, well, if they admit that there was like Saudi intelligence involvement to any extent, then the CIA obviously would have known because that relationship is so close. Right. So um, I think that's, um, you know, worth pointing out. Um, but I, th- I think I wanted to touch on back on that question about, like, who runs the world right that, that James pointed on is, uh, is about, you know, these, these philanthropists, right, and how they, they've rebranded themselves to be philanthropists. This is a thing that's been going on since, like, the days of J.D. Rockefeller, and we even see it, you know, with all these people in the Epstein case. Even Epstein, before he was, you know, exposed, you know, uh, and, and arrested the first time, uh, Bill Clinton referred to him as a great philanthropist. Right. So all of these guys that are, you know, these oligarchs that are funding all of this stuff in this, you know, Orwellian dystopian world, you know, they have rebranded themselves as philanthropists. I think it's really important to uh, peck away at that as much as possible and just show, you know, how absurd that is. I mean, yeah, they may give their money away to a lot of causes, but what other horrible things are they funding that like more oh, yeah. than totally canceled it out? You know what I mean? It's a way of, of improving their brand. So like this thing that, that the Wexters and the Bronfmans and Michael Steinhardt and all these guys were involved in the mega group that has a lot of ties to Epstein and stuff like that. They claim to be a philanthropy group, but, you know, like pretty much, I mean, I had this in, in one of my reports on Epstein. Uh, pretty much everyone that is named as a member of the mega group has direct ties to organized crime, every single one of them. And, and, they, and they've all rebranded as this philanthropy group. And even Sam Bronfman, who's the patriarch of the Bronfman family, with seagrams and all of that, and and was known to be like this mob linked guy, and was known for his mob ties. He went about to to rebrand himself as a philanthropist, specifically, a, you know, a, a, a one focused on like pro-Israel causes or or Zionist causes and things like that. In the 1930s, that was his plan specifically. And the mega group is an outgrowth of that. But we see that not just with the mega group, but you know, like the rock, you know, J. D. Rockefeller was the guy that first pioneered this. We see that with all of these guys that are essentially funding the same stuff, which is, you know, this push towards global government, but they're claiming to do it by being philanthropists. Oh, we're here to help you and all this stuff. It really needs to be exposed that, no, they're not here to help you. They believe in supremacy. They believe in eugenics and they believe in, you know, concentrating control, you know, in their hands only. And, you know, putting us in this, this futile, uh, you know, pre-crime surveillance state.
4: When they were defending the, uh when the, all the stuff started coming out about the Clinton Group, you saw all the talk shows on the cable uh, outlets all talking about how the Clinton Global Initiative, all the philanthropy work that they were, doing, how much. Jeffrey Epstein
3: came up with the Clinton Global Initiative, according to his <laughs>
4: to his defense lawyers. That's so all they kept doing was they philanthropy. Just kept, <laughs> yep, 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 totally, yeah, 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 totally, one hundred percent. Okay, sorry, go on. Okay. No, no, go ahead. No, no, Ricky, go on. I would love to hear your take.
1: No, go ahead. I was probably just going to say something pointless (laughs) anyway. Go go ahead. No, but it's
4: your show.
1: (laughs) But this is actually—I mean—the benefit uh, of—I was really excited to have all you guys on. Oh, I'm
4: so excited.
1: You know, because uh, it's—I'm a fan of obviously all your shows and all your work and all your research, and uh, I find myself being a spectator sometimes when I have you guys on because I do end up just getting—I almost. Feel like I'm just listening to i uh, interview you're doing on somebody else's show, and and uh, but yeah, I mean th- this stuff is, is is so fascinating, and and uh, yeah, I mean go go ahead, Sam, go ahead, add to it, please.
4: Well, I, it might be a dumb question, but I just like if I, you know, it's like everything seems to be some kind of illusion. Is the war between China and the U.S. real in the sense like is this a moment where like the either the high ups in the military and business people see like oh dude if we go that way we become communists we uh we lose our our rights to own our businesses uh we're giving up that we're like are there people in the military who just like really care about the constitution care about the bill of rights and all that stuff or is that just an illusion to get us all rah rah our team your team sucks i mean like is that real
0: well, you know, what I think the China situation is complex. It's one I've actually talked uh, about at length with James, because, again, all this uh, technological uh, advancement in surveillance, in instant social credit score reduction, into instant fining and facial recognition, in my opinion, has now been beta tested in China and is going to be mm-hmm. further tested by 2021 on a population of over one billion. So you go back to the, you know, the 80s when they started integrating, you know, Coca-Cola and blue jeans and getting rid of their one child policies, but still pretty much hardline communists bringing in a little bit of capitalism, doing business with us, right? Well, our society starts moving towards that sort of authoritarianism too. And although we may not be comfortable with the type of technological surveillance that they have already accepted in China... The technology exists, and it's seeping its way in through privatized apps, things like Carbine, which she's talking about, things like Apple's credit score. Let's not forget those devices are made in China at the Foxconn plant. So we live in a much too integrated world for us to say U.S. versus China. I think the ideal sets at the top are very, very similar. Yeah.
2: We'll talk about everything coming full circle because the Rockefellers have been deeply involved in China since the early part of the 20th century. And it was uh, David Rockefeller protege Henry Kissinger who really spearheaded op- the opening up and normalization of relations with China. Back in the 70s, I've talked about this at length with yourself and on my own program, Jason. Uh, I've talked about China and the New World Order and the ways that China has been built up to be what it is. With a a large degree of help from David Rockefeller, who, by the way, back in the 1970s, wrote in the New York Times in his little peon to uh, Chairman Mao, from a China, China traveler, uh, I believe set in 1973, uh, he wrote that China's, uh, you know, there may, essentially, we may have broken a few eggs in order to make a great omelet, but what a great omelet it is. Uh, that China will be the, the, the template for, for change going forward. Well, here we are, and here it is, as you say. Now, we see simultaneously, we see stories about the incredible levels of Big Brother encroachment of Chinese government into everyday Chinese uh, citizens' lives, at, at, alongside stories that are saying, and, oh, by the way, they're, they're exporting their technology to dozens and dozens of countries around the world now. So put two and two together, this is the model that is being exported to the world. And again, I think in the exact same way, we can't talk about the CIA and the NSA and the, the FBI and the Mossad and the MI6. These are these are entities that are fluid and dynamic and have different different sort of compartments that, uh, that correspond with each other and are cross-institutional. In the same way, you can't talk about the United States and China as if they are singular entities. Of course, there are people within the military and political bureaucracies of these countries that are gung-ho, rah-rah, America versus China, and the other side, China, yay, versus America. But those aren't necessarily the people in positions of power that are making things happen behind the scenes.
0: All right. Yeah. Is, I do have to jump ship. guys. I love it. I want to thank Sam. I want to thank Whitney. I definitely want to thank James as well. And I want to congratulate you, Ricky, uh, for episode number 200, brother. Keep on keeping on. These things are really important. And, and this is how we get information out to people. You know, this is a form of activism. Getting people entrenched in this information, several different viewpoints, is a very, very positive thing, in my uh, opinion. And I want to thank you for putting this roundtable together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I mean, it's been 200 episodes, so I figured I'd let you guys talk. People are probably sick of hearing <laughs> me. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I thank you so much. I mean, uh, obviously, the import, you know, th- the whole reason I started this podcast was to kind of start, you know, do my part in starting a ripple. I think we're all doing that. And I think anytime we can come together and just share, like you said, different perspectives, different opinions. Uh, right. I think we always end up taking something from the conversation and and hopefully we expose you know, some of James's fans of Whitney's work and, and, you know, Sam's, the Jason's and vice versa, you know, so we all help kind of just, you know, cause we all have the same mission. I think often we've seen it in the alternative media, uh, you know, a lot throughout the years, you know, us turning on each other because we have different opinions on one specific event or whatnot. Uh, I, I think it's important to kind of focus on, you know, we all at inside all have the same goal at, at mine and that's to, you know, get the truth out and uh try to you know expose some of the shitheads so uh (laughs) let's keep doing that and thanks a lot guys thank you so much for for i just
4: want to say some real ricky congratulations on 200 it's incredibly hard most podcasts end after five most of them don't even get the (laughs) five so the fact you got the 200 is amazing when you ask me to do these things i'm blown away i'm functionally illiterate pretty much so i don't even know how i'm here but uh all you guys i'm such huge fans of each one of you and to be able to sit in this conversation means the world to me it was like i literally i feel like i won a radio contest i got well, that i think some of these <laughs> topics one are of so my favorite
1: some fans some of these topics are so serious that we need sometimes somebody like sam to kind of throw in a dick joke every once in a while and then we need somebody like whitney <laughs> uh, a female to be so professional to be like oh sam well well maybe he'll, he'll you know hold back a little bit like oh wait whitney's joining because maybe i can't say too many dick jokes this time so
4: no it's cool of... it's really okay <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? all I'm respect, but no, respect but congratulations hey. dude you deserve it Ricky, two hundred is amazing. May you get another two hundred more. Thank myself.
1: you guys, because honestly, without James and and Jason and and you know Whitney and Sam who are willing to come on, uh, you know I wouldn't have this show. I mean I I, I say I'm an idiot. I'm just a conduit that kind of help expose people that I'm a fan of, and you know I hope, hope my listeners get exposed to really good researchers and other shows and other good uh, good work. So that's kind of just my goal. And, uh, you know, and and it wouldn't it wouldn't exist if James and Jason and you guys didn't uh, come on, especially James and Jason, because they came on when I was in the single digits. So it's, uh, you know, it's 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 awesome to have them still on and continue keep uh, to
2: continue keeping this relationship going. So I miss
4: James's I, face, though. That I got to be honest with you. I miss <laughs> his face.
2: You'll, you'll see it when this eventually gets posted, don't worry. But uh, yeah, Ricky, let me just throw in my congratulations too. I'm sure I've been on a couple dozen of those 200 episodes and I appreciate the time that you spend on this and the fact that you keep the ripple going because as you say, it is a ripple effect and we're all doing what we can in our own way. So I'm glad you're putting yourself out there into the world. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. I'll let you enjoy uh, the rest of your night and
1: we'll keep in touch. <laughs>
4: God.
3: Okay, Thank thanks you. and congratulations for me
4: too, uh-huh. since I didn't get to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Whitney, <laughs> thanks, you're great. You're a cold-blooded
4: killer. God. I love it. I can listen to you talk oh. facts all thanks. the time. You're wonderful. I appreciate yeah, you, all your hard work.
1: You and James, <laughs> have So much knowledge in like two sentences. It blows my mind. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It,
3: thanks. So well, I'm I'm super stoked to be on a on a show with James Corbett, whose show I've like I've probably watched every one of your videos ever. <laughs>
2: So this is like very life affirming for me yeah. in my career. Thank you for that. <laughs> we're all fans. We're well, James all
1: fans is, of, all of you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're all the fanboys of James. So it's uh, <laughs> just join the join the club. But thanks, thanks everyone again, and uh, we'll definitely do this again in, in hopefully in the, in the near future. The Corbett Report is brought to you by you. Your support makes the Corbett Report possible. Sign up for the subscriber newsletter or purchase a DVD at corbitreport.com support.